Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, so yesterday was Independence Day, 4th of July. So raise your hands if you did something for 4th of July, Independence Day. All right. Hit in your house. That's terrible. All right. Um, so, I mean, hey, today, yesterday was like the day, like the America Day. Like people, some people have like, um, like American flag shorts, really short ones, and they wear those on days like that, and um, really weird people. And then um, some people just, man, they, they just all about America, pop fireworks, all that type of stuff. And it's like Braveheart plays on TV, you know what I mean? You may take our lives, but you never take our freedom, that show. So anyway, it's just a really freedom-type theme. And I was Googling some things, and I found this old flyer. Um, didn't take the time to put it on the overhead, but it was from actually from World War II. And so I just thought it was pretty cool. Um, it had a little line from the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to read it to you. It says, when our Declaration of Independence was signed, loyal Americans were of one mind to protect life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Who's, who's heard that before? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you've taken... Uh, civics and free enterprise in school. Um, that's where you probably heard it. And if you haven't, you're going you're gonna to hear that. But that's, that's the premise of the Declaration of Independence. It was freedom, and it was more intentionally to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So everybody should have an equal opportunity. So 241 years later, right, as citizens, we enjoy modern benefits because we live in a free and capitalistic society. It's, it's a capitalist economy, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a big nerd with, with business, and so I love the fact that we have a capitalistic free enterprise society, and, um, and I think you do too. Raise your hand if you're an Apple person, if you like, like Apple phones, not, not the fruit, Apple. Get, so really raise your hands high on this one. Not enough Apple people. Okay, then raise your, keep your hands up if you're an Apple person, and now if you like apples, raise your hand. Other regular apples. Okay, there's more apple people. All right, so Androids. Raise your hand if you're an Android person. God, y'all are so weird. <laughs> Can't understand it. All right, Android people. Okay, so why am I bringing that up? Oh, well, let me, let me back up. Raise your hand if you remember car phones. <laughs> that, shows, that shows your age, car phones. Okay, so raise your hand if you don't even know what a car phone is. All right, so check this out. This is pretty crazy. Um, and I promise this all has something to do with freedom. All right, car phones. They used to have these phones, and they were in a big bag. It looked like a, like a briefcase. And you would carry it to your car, and it had like a, like a regular, like you'd hang it up like a real phone, but it was portable, and you'd plug it into your cigarette lighter to get power. And people used that to call from their car. It was a car phone. And so, um, you know, we went from car phones to regular things like I have right here in my notes, went from a car phone to a Nokia. Anybody ever see those old Nokia brick phones? You ain't breaking those things. Like that was my first phone. Um, and then a razor. If you're really cool, you got a razor. Anybody ever had a razor? All right. That's what's up. All right. Then they had Blackberries. That was like the first smartphone, Blackberry. Josh had a Blackberry. Um, and, you know, so now we have Androids, which I still can't understand. And then iPhones, which is like the cream of the crop. Why am I bringing all that up? Because in a free society, you can have healthy competition. 
So in other words, somebody said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could have phones from our cars? That's where it got started. And then wouldn't it be cool if we could put a phone in our pocket? So they took a risk. They started a business. They created some jobs. People with a similar passion signed up to work for those people. And then we got those big brick Nokias. And then somebody said, man, those Nokias are nice, but what if they were smaller? And so they made some razors and they made them look cool. And so pretty much different people had the freedom to make a decision of, man, you know what? I'm going to take a risk because I want to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If I can find this niche and create this product, people might buy it. I might make money and I might have life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I have life. I have the freedom to pursue happiness through financial gain, right? So I'm saying all that to say there's a lot of countries that you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't just go and open up a business or improve on a product just because you want to. We have the freedom. It's a lot of other countries do have that freedom, but we have that freedom as well. So you know, as I was thinking about that, I like to I always like to reflect on holidays because honestly, they get so monotonous and so repetitious. If I don't reflect on them, they kind of I kind of forget about them or they're not that big of a deal to me. And so yesterday I was thinking about that and I thought, man, you know what? I have a good friend of mine that I went to college with and him and his brother, he was tw- they're twins. And um, man, my friend's name, I'm just going to use John. Um, so John and his twin brother. What's another common name I could use? Steve. John and Steve. What is it? Bill. Bill. John and Bill. Let's go, Bill. Okay, so John and Bill, they both came from a really tough upbringing. Um, They grew up on, like, the rougher side of town. Um, Mom and dad really didn't do well financially, and their dad really wasn't home a lot, uh, wasn't a big part of their life. They really do have a really tough story. Um, But John, when he's he's the older twin, but anyway, John, he got a job in high school, started working. Um, and Bill just decided not to do that. Bill kind of took a, a wrong turn, and Bill made some bad decisions. John didn't take the easy road. John did some difficult things, uh, but he took advantage of the freedoms that he had. They both had the same opportunity, but he took advantage of the freedoms that he had. And what do I mean by that? He worked hard in school. He worked hard at work. He saved his money. Bill didn't do that. Bill didn't care about school. He didn't work hard. He didn't save his money. He spent everything he made right away. John decided he was going to try to do well on testing, on ACT. I know a lot of you are going to be taking that. Some of you recently took it. You know, he really studied for that. He really prepared for that. And he had a goal, man. He worked hard. And Bill didn't necessarily do the same thing. Well, fast forward about four years, man, John had a full paid scholarship to UL. And he was my roommate. And he did so well in school that they paid him to go to school. So they paid for his books, they paid for his schooling, and they even gave him like a little like per diem, like some food expenses. And man, as I'm looking at that, I thought, man, they have the same opportunity. He had the same opportunity as Bill, but Bill took advantage or didn't take advantage of some of the freedoms, the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. He didn't take advantage of that, and John took advantage of that. And so I thought, what a, what a picture of the gospel and what a picture of Christians. And man, we all, when you get saved, when you become a child of God, we all have equal opportunity. So we all inherit the same opportunities for freedom as a Christian, freedom from so many things. Um, and I'm going to talk about one of them tonight. But before I do, 
I want to kind of I want to kind of pull the room. I just want to see your hands really quick. How many of you know somebody who grew up hard and made something of themselves? They had a tough upbringing. Yeah, let me see your hands. Raise your hands. Okay, they grew up really hard and they made something of themselves. I love stories like that. Now, how many of you know somebody who maybe they grew up hard, maybe they didn't, but they just they never really took advantage of, of things in life and they never really made something of themselves? Let me see your hands. So we, we all know people like that. So same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. Same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. But I want to I wanna introduce a few things before I get to the point of the message. You know, God loves everybody. God loves everybody. But not everybody is a child of God. Do you all know that? God loves everybody, but not everybody is a child of God. Some people think, well, man, if you're just born on this earth, you're a child of God. That's not, that's not the case. The Bible says in John chapter 1, Verse 11, he came to that which was his own. He's talking about the earth. So Jesus came to the earth. And earlier it says he created the earth. But his own, the people of earth, didn't receive him. However, or yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of of a husband's will, but born of God. So once you, once you get saved, once you believe in Jesus Christ, accept him as your Lord and your Savior, you become a child of God at that point. So not only do you become a child of God, but you become adopted into a family of God. That's, so everybody in here is in a family of God. Now I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible also says that spiritually, um, we become a citizen of heaven. So we become a citizen of heaven. Uh, it's supposed to say Philippians. For whatever reason, I typed in Philippines. And now I can't help myself but I'll let you guys know that inside joke me and James share. All right, so in Philippians 3.20 it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So just like with the United States, if you're a U.S. citizen, you have certain freedoms that you can enjoy as a U.S. citizen that other people can't enjoy. And so just like, just like that, a Christian, if you are a Christian and you're a citizen, then you are a citizen of heaven and you have certain freedoms that you can enjoy that other people can enjoy. But even more so than that, the Bible says that spiritually we are seated with Jesus in heaven. Like right, right now, like I'm looking at people in here. We're, we're right here. But spiritually, we're also seated with Jesus in heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, gives a lot of mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins or our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. This is the part I want to emphasize. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So I just said a lot of stuff. I just read a lot of scripture. And I'm going to just compile it really quick before I get into the point of the message. To simply put it, when we give our lives to Christ, when you surrender your life to Christ, you become a son or a daughter of God and a citizen of heaven, and you're seated with Christ. So let me tell you why that's a big deal. There are things that people struggle with before they do that. So before you make that decision to receive Christ as as your Savior, there, there are things that you would struggle with. But after you make that decision, there's things that, man, we still struggle with but we shouldn't struggle with. And I originally set out to to preach about four of them, but after I got through the first one, 
I already had like 10 pages of notes. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll just stick to this one. And, and I really feel like this is the one um, that, I, that most seniors and college age students struggle with. Other people struggle with this too. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like this is really prevalent, especially in a younger generation. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But our theme verse for tonight is this. It's Galatians 5 verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So it's saying, hey, look, you were bound up in a lot of different things before you received Christ into your life. But after you were set free, don't get bound up in those things again. Right. So that's like the the Brady version. So the the thing I'm going to talk about tonight is a freedom of inadequacy, a freedom of inadequacy. Time out. Hey, if, if that ball hits that wall one more time, can you go tell those students something? Thank you. All right, freedom of inadequacy. So have you ever looked at a person? I'm so deciding if I'm going to call somebody out. Have you ever looked at a person and thought, man, that's a good-looking person. I wish I was that look, that good-looking. Raise your hand if you ever did that. I'm pretty, that look, I'm shocked. I didn't think y'all were going to raise your hand. All right, raise your hand if you ever looked at somebody and was like, golly, I wish I had that person's hair. My girls probably do that, I'm guessing. Guys, too? Hey, all right, it's all good. All right. Um, how about, like, have you ever looked at somebody's, I don't know, vehicle and said, man, I wish I had that vehicle? You ever did that before? Yeah. I got a good one. Have you ever looked at somebody's fidget spinner and thought, man, said no one ever? Nobody ever did that, right? Oh, sorry. You guys like them. All right, never mind. It's okay if you like fidget spinners. Just kidding. Okay. Anyway, um, so as humans, it's normal to compare. It's normal to compare yourself with people or to compare things with other things. It's, that's a normal thing. Um, but what I want to focus on is how that can lead to inadequacy when it's an unhealthy comparison. And so I guess the first thing I want to say is not all comparisons un- unhealthy. Some comparison's good, and I'll give you a few examples. The other day, remember how it's been raining a lot? Well, I had to go out of town for some family stuff, and man, I couldn't cut my grass that weekend. And it was raining all weekend, I couldn't cut my grass. So I pull up, and man, my neighbor, I felt terrible. All right, let me back up. I pull up, and the neighbor to my left had weed-eated their yard, cut their grass, round up all the weeds in the driveway. I mean, their, their stuff was looking good. Put some fresh mulch. This was looking nice. And the neighbor to my right, same thing. And from the turn to turn on my street, man, I could see like the contrast. Beautiful yard. Terrible yard. Beautiful yard. And as I'm turning, I'm like, gosh, I'm that neighbor. Oh, gosh, I'm that neighbor. So I pull up and I have a ditch in front of my house and it's weedied. And it was really long to begin with. But man, when I get there, the ditch is weedied down. And so now I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, did my neighbor get aggravated and say, this dude ain't cutting his grass and this ditch is out of hand. I'm going weed eat it. Or did he say, I'm going to help this guy out. He seems busy. I still don't know. I haven't gotten a chance to talk to him yet. But anyway, the only way that I was able to see that is I had to compare my yard to their yard. That's a silly example. But what I want to say is, hey, guys, we bash comparison so much. Sometimes it's unavoidable and sometimes it can be a good thing. I need to cut my grass. And I did cut my grass, by the way. 
But sometimes, if we don't compare, we have no benchmark. We don't know how we're doing. Another example is this. I have a good friend of mine. Man, he eats, he eats very healthy. And um, he's never sick. He, he's very active. He has a very active lifestyle. He's in great shape. But he's never sick, and he has a great, great quality of life. And so, man, like when I start noticing, golly, why am I getting sick? Or, man, I wish I could look like that dude or any of that type of stuff. It's empowering because it's like, man, he eats clean. Like he, he does those things. I could take notes from that dude from a healthy comparison. Now, listen, I know that stuff can get like off base, and that's what I'm fixing to talk about. But do y'all get what I'm trying to say is how like not all – Okay, because last, last time I preached a little bit about this, somebody had asked me, oh, man, Pastor Brady, um, you know, and he gave me some examples of, of good comparison, healthy comparison, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to better yourself. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with wanting to improve and better yourself. want to make sure I nail that home before I really start trucking here. Okay, so this is the point about that. The fruit of comparison is what determines if it's healthy or unhealthy. So the fruit of comparison, what comparison produces is what determines if it's healthy or if it's unhealthy. If it leads to inspiration or encouragement, and if it leads you into the direction that God would want you to go and that God would improve of, it's healthy. It's a long definition, but it covers all the bases, I think. If it leads to discouragement or depression or inadequacy, then it's unhealthy. If you're comparing yourself to people and you feel inadequate, then it's unhealthy. And so dwelling on thoughts of unhealthy comparison often lead to the feeling of inadequacy, which means you don't feel good enough. And so why do I think that this generation deals with that more? I've talked about this a lot, but I'm going to hit this nail on the head every chance I get. Social media, man. I was talking to some students. Um, they don't come here, and so I'm not singling anybody out. But, man, one of them I think had gotten like 200 likes on Instagram and then deleted. And I know no one in here does that, but like they had like 200 likes on Instagram and somebody else had 230 or something. So they deleted their picture and reposted it at like five o'clock or something just to make sure that more people were on Instagram to get more likes. Has anybody done it in here? <laughs> please, don't raise, please don't raise your hand. People do that in here. All right. So when I look at stuff like that, Man, I, 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 it's not in every case, I get it, but listen, don't feed into trying to, to, to get your adequacy from likes on social media. Don't feed into that. That's, you're so much more than that. That's, that's, a, that's a double tap and somebody forgot about you. Don't feed into that stuff. And so, you know, good enough. I, I sat with a young lady who it was on the context of social media. And I don't know if this sounds silly to, to some of you guys, or maybe you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm there. I get it. I really don't know because I'm telling you guys, 10 years ago, this wasn't the same struggle. But I sat with a young lady, and she was just really, really upset. And the thing was, like, man, like all her friends got a certain amount of, of likes on social media. They had more friends on social media, um, all those things. And she was upset about that. And, um, and I'm, not, I'm not bashing her for being that way. She ain't the only one I've ever met with like that. But I, I, it really did. It broke my heart to see, like, man, her, her value and self-worth was based on people scrolling on their, on their phone, tapping their picture. That blew my mind. 
And it, it really did break my heart because, my goodness gracious, you guys have, you guys have so much more purpose than that. If, if you find you fall into that, I'm, I'm diverting a little bit from my notes. If you find you fall into that, turn that phone off. Delete your Instagram. Man, there was articles in the news that I read while I was studying. People committing suicide over that stuff. What? Man, get rid of that nonsense. If you ever struggle with those thoughts, delete that, that social media stuff like ASAP. All right? Am I hammering that home enough? Okay. I'm not fussing. I'm just, you know, just saying. So anyway, good enough. What is good enough? Because whenever you feel inadequate, like, man, I don't feel good enough. Whenever you make that statement, you have to follow it with a question. The question is, good enough compared to what? Compared to what? Because we talked about comparison, good enough compared to what? If it's compared to the next guy on the side of you, or if it's compared to the person on Instagram, or if it's compared to the celebrity that you look up to, or any of that stuff, I want to tell you, you're comparing the wrong thing. You're comparing the wrong thing. And so if you're falling into inadequacy, look and see what you're comparing it to. See, God is the one who determines what's adequate and what's not, not man. And so I want to read to you, um, I think this is probably one of the most popular Bible verses, um, but it's also probably one of the most powerless Bible verses on the lips of most Christians. And it's probably one of the most powerless Bible verses in the minds of most Christians. And I'm going to read it to you, and then you'll understand why I'm saying that. All right? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a purpose or a hope and a future. And so I feel like it's powerless to most Christians because the second they hear that, they check out and they say to themselves, man, I've heard that so many times. But those same people always talk about, man, I want to know what my purpose is. I don't want to what my purpose is. And so... I think it's because they're not attaching faith to what God's word is saying. You know, if you just read God's word and you don't attach any faith or any action to it, or you don't pursue what God's word is saying, you're never going to experience the word of God. It's, it's meant to be experienced. It's meant to be applied. And so that's one of the most powerful verses if you attach faith to it. And if you attach faith to it, you have no room to feel inadequate. So I want to read that one more time. And in all seriousness, I want to read it, and I want you to receive it as though God is telling that to you. And so I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to emphasize a few parts of that. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I read this verse to somebody who's not a Christian, and they never knew God, and they were going to kill themselves. And I read this verse to them. They broke down crying. Where did you get that from? I said, man, that's in the Bible. Oh, my gosh. Turn their life around. Turn their life around. What happened? They attached faith to what that said. They didn't say, oh, man, I've heard this a million times. Now, I want to submit to you that most people have trouble finding and growing in their purpose because they're too busy trying to live out somebody else's. I say it one more time. Let it sink in. When, I, when, I, when the Lord told me this, it convicted me. Because I'm not Stephen Furter, guys. Anyway, I'm talking about him later, too. All right. I want to submit to you that most people have trouble finding and growing in their purpose because they're too busy trying to live out somebody else's purpose. 
And right now, I want you to ask yourself, man, is that me? See, they dwell on unhealthy comparison, and they begin to feel inadequate. So when you start to dwell on an unhealthy comparison, then you begin to feel inadequate, and then you start trying to become somebody else instead of embracing who God wants you to be. So you could read Jeremiah 29, 11, but not apply it by falling into that, that cycle. But God created you to be who you are, not who society says you should be or who the dude next to you is or who all your friends say you should be. Listen, you were created for way more than the opinion of a human, way more than the opinion of a human. Don't limit yourself to that. You were way more than likes on Instagram or whatever the cool thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure Instagram's still cool, but whatever that is. So life is more than that. So how do you free yourself? How do you gain freedom from the feeling of inadequacy? This is going to get good. I have three points. The first one is you got to give more airtime to God than you do other influences. You got to give God more airtime than you do other influences. You know, um, Good friend of mine, Gavin, he's my roommate. Um, he's going to be moving, but for a little while he, he needed a place to crash, so he's been staying with me. And, man, huge, huge sports guy, huge sports guy. And I like sports too, but, man, I know more about what's going on in basketball trading and the draft and, you know, baseball. I ain't never been so immersed in sports in my life. Sports get a lot of airtime. And I like I, I like sports, but man, I'm liking sports a whole lot more. I mean, I never watched hockey. Who watches hockey in here? A few brave souls raise their hand. I would clown people for watching hockey. Man, I watched the Stanley Cup and it was pretty good, right? So I got a lot of airtime. Why did I care a lot about sports? Why did I put emphasis on sports that I'd never really even watched? Because they got a lot of airtime in my living room. A lot of airtime. So if you're giving more airtime to the opinions of people rather than what God says about you, that's why you're struggling with inadequacy. That's one of the reasons, because they're getting more airtime. So make sure that you give more airtime to God. When you get in the presence of God, you can't possibly feel inadequate. Earlier when we were worshiping, there wasn't one point in time that in my mind I felt inadequate. I was in the presence of God. And look, some people don't, don't worship when we're worshiping. Don't pay attention to that. You get yours, right? Everybody around here, you make sure you get yours because I'm going to get mine. That's how I always look at it. Like, look, I don't care if this person's gooping off. I need the presence of God. Y'all feel that? Yeah? All right. So make sure, make sure that you give God more airtime. I love when Pastor Todd uh, does this on Sundays. You ever like, you know, the Holy Spirit's really moving in worship and he gets up and he's, whoo, man, he's clapping, he's fired up. And he, he makes a statement that y'all probably have all heard. He's like, man, I feel like I could go bear hunting with a switch. Y'all ever heard him say that? I feel like I could go bear hunting with a switch. I, lo I love when he says that because this is what happens. When you get in the presence of God, you get a healthy, humble boldness. It's just like it's a healthy and a humble, but it's bold. I mean, you, you don't have time. Like, you don't have time for inadequate thoughts or inadequate feelings. You, you feel too full. And, you know, I was reading in Acts 4, it says, after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were, where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
That's not a coincidence. That's why whenever you worship, whenever you spend time with God, when you give him more airtime, there's a boldness that results from the presence of God. When you're in the presence of God and that bold feeling comes over you, man, you ready to go bear hunting with a switch. I get, I get what Pastor Todd's talking about. The second thing, you ready for this one? The second one? I hope it's not cheesy. Be humble and sit down. No? Okay. How about just take a, a, a humble approach in life? Who in here knows what I'm talking about? Sinners. All right. Take an approach of humility in life. So the truth is, I know I'm talking about inadequacy. So we're all inadequate. That is the truth. But we're inadequate in comparison to what God's plans and purpose are for our life. If you compare yourself to what God's plans are for you, you are inadequate. You're not adequate on your own. So why take a humble approach? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. It says, but he, talking about God, said to me. So Paul's talking about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about a thorn in his flesh. So really what he's saying is to keep me humble, God gave me a thorn in my flesh. He's saying, man, and some people don't know who, some people think it was like a sickness. Some people think... It was a person like, man, God sent this pain guy to come hang around me. Like they don't know really what it was, but he's saying like, God gave me a thorn in the flesh to keep me humble. That's, that's where we're picking up. But he, God said to me, my grace is sufficient. So my grace, my empowerment, that's enough for you, right? For my power is made perfect in your weakness. So when you're inadequate, my, I'm powerful in your life because you become dependent. Therefore, I will boast. This is Paul now talking. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. If you ever end up in a place in life that you feel like you can do what you're doing all on your own, man, you're not in God's will. You're not in God's will. How can I tell you that? Because when you're fully immersed in the will of God, you realize, man, God, if you don't show up, I can't do this. If you don't show up, I can't do this. That's needing, that's needing the grace of God. It's when we get away from God's grace in those seasons. It's when we get away from God's grace, whenever we get prideful, when we get away from God's grace, that we really start to feel inadequate. Say that again. When you get away from the grace of God, when you stop getting into the presence of God, that's when you start to feel inadequate. That's when you start to battle with comparison. James 4, 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then the last thing, third thing, encourage others. Encourage others. How do you, how do you get free from inadequacy? Be an encourager. Tell another quick story, and then I'll wrap it up. Um, man, when I was in college, uh, I dated a girl in high school for like six years. And then when I moved, she stayed in Homa. I moved up here, and uh, we, like, we broke up. So, man, I was dealing with that. It was a tough time. Um, I think like four days, five days after we broke up, one of my friends didn't hear about it, and he came to my apartment, and he was like, dude, he was dating a girl for like three or four months. He's like, me and Cindy broke up. I was like, oh, man. And he was so upset. He was so destroyed. And, like, I wasn't in the position to encourage this dude. I was upset myself. 
But I found the more I'd encourage him and the more I'd say, man, I'd start telling him good things about himself. And just and I wasn't even a Christian at the time. But the more I'd encourage this guy, the more I was getting encouraged. And, man, I'm telling you guys, that's one scenario. Things like that have happened and will continue to happen. It never fails. When you feel inadequate, when you feel discouraged, you go start encouraging somebody and you'll be encouraged too. That's why it says in Proverbs, there's a reason that happens. In Proverbs 11.25 it says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. He who refreshes others. Another place in God's word, he says, my word will accomplish what I set it out to do. In other words, if you read it, you can bet your last dollar on it. This is one of those examples right here. I promise you. I like the way the New King James says it. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will himself be watered. So if you're struggling in the area of inadequacy, if you need freedom from that, be an encourager. So let's stand up, guys, as we close. So like I mentioned, just as we have specific freedoms as a U.S. citizen, we also have freedoms as children of God or citizens of heaven. So we should be free from the feeling of inadequacy. Now, you might be in here, you might say, I don't deal with that. And man, praise God. If you don't deal with it right now, it's coming. Now, you might be in here and say, I really do struggle with that. Well, let me just encourage you. Let me tell you this. God wants to free you of that. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And so right now, I just want to do something real quick. I don't ever want to assume that everybody is a child of God. So if you can, just close your eyes. Just bow your heads for me. Because I don't want people looking around. I don't want you to feel like somebody's looking at you. I want you to feel like you're just, it's just me and you talking in here. And I want you to just meditate on what was just talked about. You can be free from having to, to feel inadequate and not feel like you're enough. God, God wants you to be free of that. And you do it by you spend time with God. You humble yourself and you encourage others. There's three ways you can do it. But that's a gift if you're a citizen of heaven, if you're a son or a daughter of God. If you're not, there's no way you accomplish all that stuff on your own. You need the grace of God in your life. And Jesus came down and died so you could have it. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're in here and you say, hey, look, I, I know a lot about God. I've, I've heard about Jesus, all this stuff, but I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've given my life to Christ. If, if that's you in here, look, no one's looking around. Slip your hand up real fast for me. And I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, but slip it up high so that I can see it. It's kind of dark. I see your hands. I see your hands. Let's take another few moments. All right. A little bit longer. All right, let's pray together. And I'm going to pray and lead you just in this prayer. And I want you to say this prayer with me. And I want everybody to pray it together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I fall short of your heavenly standard. I don't want that anymore. I'm asking that you forgive me. I want you to come into my heart and I want you to come into my life and be my Lord. Jesus, I love you. 
I surrender to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Now, lastly, before we dismiss, if while I was talking tonight, if you felt convicted, what that means is if at any point in time you said, man, that applies to me, or yeah, I can totally get that. I deal with that sometimes. I'm going to ask right now that all of the leaders would come up. And I, I don't want you to leave tonight until you go and pray with somebody. Something about humbling yourself to someone just really releases a grace over you. And so I'm going to pray over you right now. And after that, you'll be dismissed. But if that's you, if you say, look, I want prayer. There's no shame in prayer, guys. Half of the people who need prayer might not even come up. But it takes courage to come up. It takes humility to get prayer. So if that's you, if you don't need prayer, then listen, I'm not trying to con you into coming. But I guess what I'm saying is I want us to be a praying student ministry. I want us to be a praying group of students. That's where the power is. It's not from me. So I'm going to pray over you guys. And if you need prayer for anything, it doesn't even have to be this. It will be something else. Come up. I want, to, I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. If not, you guys will be dismissed. Lord Jesus, I pray over every student. Holy Spirit, move on their hearts for anything in particular that you would like to move on. God, I pray that you would encourage every student in here. I pray that every student would have a fresh revelation that they have a purpose in this world and that they aren't inadequate at all in comparison to anybody else, that your grace makes them adequate, that your grace makes them ready for what you're calling them to do. God, I pray right now that every student in here would grow in their relationship with you and they would grow in their relationship with each other and they'll be an influence to the other people in their life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, come up. I love you guys. I'm going to see y'all next time. Have a good rest of the week. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.